there are two stories in the collection sharing this title. All of the titles have two stories attached to them. Killers. On rides to the shore when we were kids, we sang this song. There were two versions of the song we knew. There was a version we learned from our father, and there was the version we learned later from kids at the shore. We preferred the version we learned from the kids, and we tried just once on a ride to the shore to sing this version we preferred. We didn't do this to anger our father. We were confused when our father pulled over the car. Even our mother was confused. She was yelling things like, what in the world? And have you gone completely mad? Our father didn't look at us and he didn't talk. Cars lined up behind our car and we didn't want to be beeped at. We didn't want to be looked at as they went around like, what the fuck? Then at some point there were no other cars. At some point there was nothing at all, just us sitting, waiting for our father to drive. And after it was completely quiet, meaning after we had given up, our father restarted the song the way it was meant according to him to be sung and we sang. On a different ride, a future ride, it was our father's version we sang in the car and that night was a special night. Because that night, for the first time ever, we sang the song to its end. Our father was not with us that night and our mother was not with us. We were just us in the car, me and my brother, on a ride around the town. There was an object my brother was dared to get from a house on the poorer side. The object was a joke between my brother and his friends. It had become this joke because my brother had clung to it once when he was too fucked up to do anything else. So his friends had dared him to get this object and bring it back to the boathouse. Saying no to a dare was not an option. Saying no meant you weren't a good sport. My brother prided himself on being a good sport, but we were all good sports. On rides to the shore, our father always started the song and my brother and I would join. Our mother never sang along as she despised this song more than any other song in the world, she said, and she would beg us to stop singing it, saying we were absolutely killing her ears. But the more she complained about our singing and the harder she'd press against her ears, the louder we'd sing, our father always singing the loudest. Our father had told us many times that he was a great singer, that he'd sung with a group in college, and he would say harmonize to me and my brother, and though we didn't know how, our father would try, would go higher, go lower, and always go louder, and so we would go louder too. But even in our most enthusiastic moments, moments in which our mother threatened to our delight to open the car door and throw herself from the car, we never sang all the way to the end. Because even in these very best moments, we had to stop always when our mother would pull on her hair and scream, I've had enough, enough already, I hate you all. And though our father was always the one to start singing, and though he loved more than anything to anger our mother, to bring her close as he could to the brink of explosion, he too would say, enough you kids, I said enough. The rest of the ride was our father silent, staring at the road. It was our mother pretending to sleep. It was us in the back, all wound up, still wanting to sing. I tried, I admit, alone in my room to get all the way to the end of the song, but could not. The reason I could not get all the way to the end was not because I was lacking in endurance, which I was not, but rather because the song was not a good song to sing alone. There was something about singing the song alone that suggested drinking alone in a crowded bar and a desperation I recognized even then. 
And I recognized the desperation as a certain desperation, a messy desperation I had seen on faces outside bars I wasn't supposed to be anywhere near. And I recognized that desperation as an adult desperation, one I would not have to face for many years, though I would face it, I knew it, even then we all faced it. My brother and our father would go on these walks by the water that were our father's idea that were guys only walks. Our father used these walks to teach my brother about things that were guys only things like for instance girls and ways to manage girls. Our father would teach my brother that the most effective way to manage girls was just to wear them down. And though my brother mostly despised our father, and though I already knew there would come a day on which my brother would rebel, they always came back from their walks laughing, often laughing at me. I would say in response to their laughing, what? And they would laugh even harder, and I would say stop, and they wouldn't stop. What I felt those days is hard to explain, though I have felt it many times since. All it takes is a certain kind of guy and a certain other kind of guy. Then all it takes is a joke going on and on, and you at the center of that joke, and seeing yourself at the center. Then you, the girl, are done for. You, dumb girl, are about to crack. When we got to the house with the object on its lawn, lawn, there were people drinking outside it. So we kept on driving around the town. There was the moon that we said nothing about, and there were trees that we said nothing about. And I should tell you about the object on the lawn. I should tell you, it was just a statue of a lighthouse, the dumbest thing you have ever seen. And that my brother had clung to the lighthouse that one night, all fucked up, refused to let go, refused to go back to our house unless the lighthouse went as well. But the lighthouse was larger than you think, and it was stuck deep in the dirt. His friends were just losing it on the lawn. They were laughing harder than I'd ever seen those guys laugh. And it was funny at first, but then I was like, just pick him up. Then I was like, just carry him. It took a long time, but eventually his friends dragged him away, and the lighthouse became another dumb joke they would keep alive forever. On one of our trips to the shore, our father ran over a dog. It was a large dog, and in our father's defense, the dog had been lying already in the road. It turned out, so we learned from, it, from its owner, a woman, that the dog just liked to sleep there. And if we'd lived on this road, we would have known this. If we'd lived there, we would have slowed our speed like the people who lived on this road must always have done. But we didn't live on this road, and we would never have lived on this road. And on our side of town, where we lived, our dogs slept not in roads, but on sprawling lawns. When my brother stopped the car, he did not at first remind me of our father. He did not remind me of our father because my brother was not stopping the car out of anger. He was not stopping the car to punish me, and so I was not reminded of our father. He was stopping the car to be dramatic, to give me one of the crazy looks we gave each other as kids. The point of these crazy looks back then was to make each other laugh, because the one who laughed first was the one toward whom our father's anger would be directed. Because enough meant enough when our father said it, and it meant enough with the singing, and enough with the talking, and enough it turned out with any noise at all. So when one of us laughed at the other's looks, our father just about went mad. Now looking back, I can see that our father thought we were laughing at him. 
Looking back, I can see this game we played as somewhat cruel, this literal laughing behind our father's back. It was cruel how we wanted our father to yell or to get him to the point of yelling. But I can also see this cruelty as a cruelty we were forced to inherit from our father, like so many things we didn't want but got and still to this day have. All that said, I was not reminded of our father as my brother looked at me all crazy stopped there in the road. I was not reminded of our father, but of a younger version of my brother and a younger version of myself. And I saw these younger versions of ourselves as two people on the same team or in the same camp or whatever metaphor you want. And it wasn't until my brother started singing our father's version of the song that I was reminded of our father. And it wasn't until I said no and stop and nearly covered my ears that I was reminded of our mother. But I was not our mother, and I would never be our mother. I was one type of weak, but I would never be that other type of weak. So I sang with my brother as loud as I could that fucking song that no one liked as we drove around the town. It was a party that night on the poorer side. My brother and his friends were too fucked up. Inside the house was a smell of mold. There was a smell of smoke, a smell of beer, there were plastic tables and plastic chairs. There were ring-shaped stains on the rug. Some filthy guy was staring at me. He said, sit, but I would not sit. There were pizza boxes on the chairs. Their freezer door was tied shut with a string. The guy said, you should sit. I went outside to find my brother and his friends. On the lawn, my brother's friends were throwing my brother's shoe over my brother's head. When the shoe landed on the roof, his friends were like, let's get his other shoe. It was then my brother ran to the lighthouse on the lawn and clung to it how he did. His friends were falling, laughing to the grass. So it was up to me to make it stop or keep it going. I could be a good sport or I could ruin it all. Moments before our father hit the dog, our mother had cracked. She was everywhere in that moment, just on everyone in that moment because our father was being too much our father. He was singing too loudly that awful song and our mother was just a mess. He was singing too wildly and our mother, I swear, would have opened that door, would have thrown herself from the car. And were we secretly hoping? I can only speak for myself. Now our father was driving way too fast. Our mother eventually closed her eyes. Some kids on the side of the road were waving at our car. I saw the kids, but our father, I have to believe, did not. And before I could scream, and I did scream stop, and grabbed our father's arm from behind him, there was this thump. At first I thought our father would keep on driving, but he stopped the car right there and got out. The kids were crying and covering their faces. Their mother ran out of their shitty house, covering her face. My brother and I got out of the car, and our father said, get back in the fucking car. And we did get back in the car. But first I saw this hit dog lying in the road and its eye that something was wrong with. There was a line in the version our father taught us if one of those bottles just happens to fall. And a line in the version we learned from the kids, just take one down and pass it around. I can't explain why we preferred the version we learned from the kids or why my brother still years later felt we had to sing it our father's way. 
But there we were singing louder and harder than we had ever sung this song. Sometimes we sang in accents. Sometimes we fake harmonized. My brother's face was wild, and I'm sure mine was wild as well. There were still people standing on the lawn, and so we kept on driving and kept on singing. And had you heard us singing, you might have thought we'd gone completely mad. And had you heard us singing, you might have thought climactic moment. You might have thought explosion. You might have joined in. But I'm not trying to make this night more special than it was. I'm not trying to say we accomplished something by singing the song all the way to its end, that we finally reached some vital point in our lives and everything was saved, that my brother and I had somehow surpassed our father, because we did not accomplish anything at all. Because when we reached the most vital part of the song, when we were down to one bottle of beer, we could not keep singing. Because when we got to the line, if one of those bottles just happens to fall, the word bottles now had to be bottle. And in the version we sang, our father's preferred version, there was no good way for it to be just bottle. Because one would never say if one of those bottle just happens to fall. Whereas in the version we learned from the kids, we could say, just take one down and pass it around. I'm saying we were stuck there in that moment. My brother would start college in the fall. He would go to the college that our father went to. He would major in the same thing our father did. He would try to find the singing group that our father was in, but there would be no singing group. This would be no surprise to me. To my brother, though, this would be a disappointment, and there would be many disappointments. Our father told us, get back in the car, and we did. We watched the rest of the scene through the windshield, the mother crying, her kids crying, our father saying something to the mother, our father wearing the mother down, because it was his fault, he would, because it was her fault he would say to her that the dog was sleeping in the road, and what kind of person he would say to her would let a dog just sleep there like that. We watched the woman's body wilt, her face wilt, the kids' faces almost too sad to look at, and their poor sad house, the whole world sad around it. Our father got back in the car, he slammed the door, he drove us home, we got on with our day. That evening, our father and my brother took one of their walks. Our mother had locked herself in a room and I sat on our sprawling lawn. At some point, our father and my brother came walking across. They were looking at me and laughing and I was supposed to say stop as I had many times, but did not. I just sat there looking the other way as they laughed even harder, trying to make me crack. What was I even looking at? Just our sprawling lawn and thinking we owned that lawn and thinking there was room on that lawn for a thousand dogs and room for a thousand kids. Our father was staring me down. Then he reached for my hair, then pulled. I felt the hair lifting my scalp. The look our, on our father's face suggested I was not being a good sport. The look suggested I was ruining his life, my brother's life, the lives of all the guys. And as he pulled even harder and it seemed the pain could not get worse, something moved into my gut, a seed that would bloom on a different day. On that day, there would be too many seeds and they would bloom at roughly the same awful time. On that day, I would go after our father I would go after him with both hands, and it would be a scene like you can't believe. 
The point is, I would lose, of course. Our father always won, of course. But that's another story, and I'll tell that story another time. But for now, we're in the car. My brother was drumming on the steering wheel. He had figured out the song, he said. He had figured out how to end. He was trying to get me back into it. He said one bottle of beer on the wall. He said one bottle of beer. But there's no reason to keep on singing. We were already where we needed to be. There was no one on the lawn now. It was time to stop the car. It was time to run across the grass. Time to pull that fucking lighthouse from the dirt.